good morning. Good to see you today. So my next door neighbors don't speak English very well, but they love to sing karaoke. So one night about 3 a.m., after about two hours of a good karaoke run, I'd had all I could take. So I go next door and I knock on the door and they don't hear me. And they're not good singers, all right? And most people that sing karaoke are not good singers. How many of you sing karaoke? Raise your hand. You are not good singers. I know it already. All right, so anyway, they're singing and I'm knocking on the door and they don't hear me. And so I start knocking harder and they still don't hear me. And finally, I take my fist and I'm pounding it because I just wanna go to sleep and I can't with the karaoke going. And I, he comes out, he, he's surprised to see me, three o'clock in the morning. He looks at me and he says my name in the best he can, English. And uh, he says, what? And I, he, I said, it's loud, loud. He stepped out and he goes, oh yes, it's very good. And goes back in and shuts the door. <laughs> and I go, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. I knock on the door, it's too loud. Okay, okay. So he goes back in. It's exactly the same volume as it was before. The karaoke's still blaring. I still can't sleep, but I just finally give up and done. You ever had one of those experiences where you knock on a door and you don't get the response you want? The disciples came to Jesus, Luke chapter 11, and they said this, teach us how to pray. We don't know how to pray. We watch you pray. We see the miracles that come because you do pray. But we don't know how to pray. Now, I think everyone prays. We pray greater prayers when we're in crisis, amen? When trouble comes, we are great interceders in faithful prayer. But are we really connecting? Are we really seeing God do what we're believing him for? Because after all, that's what prayer needs to be about. It's not just about something that makes you feel good, though it does. It has to be more than that. It has to be a connection with God that takes what God wants done in heaven, brings it here down on earth. So they said, teach us how to pray. So it's there that he gave them what we call today the model prayer. And we know that prayer very well. We probably said it. We probably recited it at times in our life. But I want to take you to the next chapter because the verses that follow are the verses that are really going to get down to what prayer is all about. But first of all, let me just talk to you about this. Power is anchored in the unseen. You see, the greatest power that we have is God, and yet he's unseen. The greatest power that you have is the power of faith, and yet it's unseen. When you unleash that power in the unseen, it becomes a reality in the scene. And that's why God told Abraham in Romans chapter four that he is to call those things that are not as though they are. They're not seen, they're not yet here, they haven't arrived, and yet I want you to call them as though they have already arrived. They're already present in this time and place. It goes against human logic, doesn't it? To say, well, how can I say it's so when it's not so? How can I say it's real when it doesn't appear to be real? We're so conditioned by the natural world that the supernatural seems so far off and when it invades our world, either through some prayer that we have or some experience we've had, some miracle we've witnessed, we think, wow, isn't that amazing? I wanna say this, I believe the supernatural should be the normal. 
I believe God invasion should be the normal in our life. Seeing God work, seeing God powerfully move in our life, that should be what happens all the time. Because what prayer does is prayer releases God's dominion in our world. When we begin to pray, we're releasing God. We're saying it's not about me, God, it's about you. You know, sometimes when you feel really weak and you say, I don't even feel like I can pray, it's the best time to pray. Because you see, in your weakness, he becomes your strength. When you don't know where to turn, he can give you the direction. When you don't know the answer, just wait, he will come through. It's really interesting, this week a friend of mine was texting me and he said, things aren't going well right now and I said, pray. And he said, I've been praying for the last several years and I haven't seen anything. I said, step into faith and see what God can do. I wanna tell you the text changed radically from in the morning till the afternoon because I believe, and I can't give you any details on this because it's not, I don't have permission to release it, but I'm gonna tell you this. It went from really bad to really wonderful in a matter of four hours. And I believe that when we step into faith, when we really trust God, we are going to see transformation. And what we do is we create an atmosphere of faith. You see, you can walk in an atmosphere of faith. You know, it's always interesting when you, when you go through different parts of the world or you go even just in a car and we have a convertible and we'll drive around the convertible and, and the weather will change. You'll go down a little bit and it'll be cool. You'll go up a little higher, it'll be warm. And you'll see that atmosphere change. Do you know that you can change the spiritual atmosphere of your world? Just like as you're driving a car and you're moving into different atmospheres, so to speak, different climates, different temperatures. You can do the, exactly the same in prayer. When you enter into faith, you can change the atmosphere simply by saying something like this, I enter into the very presence of Almighty God. Just saying that changes. I want you to just say that right now. I enter in to the very presence of God. You surround me, God. You permeate me, God. I see those things only through your eyes, God. When you begin to live in that, you're changing the atmosphere. Now, let me show you what Jesus did. Luke chapter 11, turn in your Bibles with me, if you will. And we're going to take a look at what Jesus said to his disciples. Listen, he said, he said to them, which of you shall have a friend? And go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come on his journey and I have nothing to set before him. Now, if you're the friend and it's midnight, you really don't care. Let's be honest, right? In fact, somebody's knocking on your door at midnight, what do you do? You call 911. You go get the Glock. You're ready for this guy. He's coming in. He's breaking into your house at midnight and you want him out of there, right? And you peek out and you say, oh, no, it's so-and-so. What does he want? Are you hearing me? You know what I'm talking about? What does he want? It says, okay, look what it says in the scripture. And he will answer him from within and say, just what you said, do not trouble me. The door is now shut. I want you to know that in the kingdom of God, the door is never shut. God always has a way to get the door open. And if it's not that door, he's got a better door for you. And he said, and my children, my children are with me in bed and I cannot. In other words, I'm not persuaded at all by this. I don't care how bad your friend is. I don't, he shouldn't have come at midnight. What are you doing coming to my door? And so 
we see here, rise, he says, I cannot, I cannot, and no, I'm not going to do that. You know how we say I'm not gonna do that when somebody asks us? Well, let me pray about that. Hey, let me think about that. Let me see what happens. You know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, you know if nobody else comes through, call me, and then you turn your phone off. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend. You see, friendship wasn't enough. Do you know that you're called a friend of God? And yet, do you know in prayer, sometimes that's not enough? You see, what prayer is, prayer is getting you ready for an eternal reign with God. Everyone who comes into the kingdom is a friend of God, but friendship is not enough in some situations. God wants to teach you something about the kingdom and how you move heaven into earth, how you take your present reality and turn it into to the dream and the hope and the power that you want to see God do in your life or in your family. It says, but because of his persistence, the word literally in the Greek is shamelessness. God wants you to come shamelessly before him, not accepting a no, but say, God, I need a yes. And if it's not a yes, and you show me why this prayer isn't right, put me on the right path. But God, I'm coming in faith persistently, just like this story says, and I'm going to hang in there until I get what I'm asking for. And notice what it says. Because of persistence, he will arise and give him as many as he needs. In other words, I'm going to give you an unlimited supply. If you will leave me alone, I'm going to give you more. You want three, I'll give you six. You want six, I'll give you 12. I want you to leave me alone right now. Now, what's curious about this is Jesus is teaching his disciples about prayer with this story. In other words, he's saying to his disciples, I want you to be shameless before the Father. I don't want you to accept no. I don't want you to go, well, it seems like it's going to be difficult, or maybe you're not interested, or maybe you're sleeping, God, and you're not really aware of what's going on in my life, and after all, you've got all, everything all dialed in in heaven, and here I am struggling. No, he says, no, I want you to push. And look what he says. So I say unto you, ask. And by the way, the way the, the Greek is constructed here, it's ask and keep on asking. It's not ask once, God, please. Well, that should work. No, asking, asking, asking. God, here I am, here I am, here I am. God, God, here I am, here I am. Are you back here again? You ever had your kids do that to you? I mean, is there not the, is not hell the cereal aisle at a grocery store with children? You go down the cereal aisle, oh, cocoa, fruity, frosted flakes, I want those. They've got a prize. And you know what happens? Every time I take Cruz and Crosby down those aisles, they end up with whatever they want. I don't care. I really don't care. I just want to be left alone. Yes. Yes. How many? I don't care what your mother says. Here, you can have all you want. That's how God works. God is waiting for you to have the persistence of a four-year-old. Please. Please, daddy, daddy, can I, can I, can I, can I? No, no, no. Okay. Okay. 
If you really want it that bad, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to get it. So it says ask. That's, and that word means to desire or to require. It may be something you just want. It may be something you really need. And you will find. And it says, and it will be given unto you. Then seek. Now the word seek here is keep on seeking. Keep on asking, tense of the verb. Keep on seeking. Keep on seeking. And this has the idea of demand. Now you've gone from please to no, I must have this. See, God wants you to come like that to him. That's what he says. He's the one that said this. I want you to come before me and say, what do you want? You see, what you have to understand is that in Christ, you are more than a conqueror. Jesus said, greater things than these shall you do because I go to be with the Father. He said that you are an ambassador of Christ. He says, one day you will sit with me in my kingdom. Now think about all of that. God has entrusted you with all of this power and all this authority, and he says, I want you to demand it. Well, what if that doesn't happen? Then it says, knock, and it literally means to pound. God? Is that you again? It's me, God. Do you really want it that bad? Now, I will say this. If you're praying for the wrong thing, prayer has a self-purifying effect. You pray for the wrong thing for a long time and God will show it to you. But if you're praying for the right thing, God will give it to you. You see the difference? For everyone who asks, what do they do? They receive. Everyone who seeks, finds. To him who knocks, it will be open. And I believe prayers are stored up in heaven. You know, in Revelation, it talks about the golden vials that are the prayers of the saints. And it seems to indicate they're stored up. Our prayers are stored. Prayers you prayed four years ago, three years ago, three weeks ago, stored in heaven, waiting for the right release point in your life. Don't ever get discouraged because you don't see an immediate answer to your prayer. Don't ever get discouraged because you think God isn't working. God is working, but God is more concerned about shaping you into his image than he is about answering your prayer quickly and missing out on the character. God wants to shape your character and refine you so that you're like Jesus Christ. You see, we need to have the authority to act. That's what this friend did. He came and knocked on the door. He, had, he said, felt like I have authority. I'm your friend. I have a need. Here I am. But watch this. Friendship was the basis of asking, but not of receiving. Friendship is the basis of asking, but not of receiving. God wants you to get serious in prayer, and not just in crisis. Persistence is the basis of receiving in the kingdom. And I believe when Jesus said, you must come like a little child, how do little children come? Shameless, demanding, knocking, asking, will not be told no. When you see a little child acting like that and you want to correct him, you got to remind yourself that's how the kingdom works. Oh. You want him to act like an adult so he doesn't have faith in his daddy. He's trying to teach the daddy how to have faith in the father. Remember when the little children came to Jesus and the disciples tried to push him away and said, no, 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 you don't, you don't have time for kids? He said, such is the kingdom of God. If you don't come like a little child, you can't come. 
It puts a new perspective on childhood behavior, doesn't it? Well, what about when a kid lays down the ground and throws a tantrum? Oh, that's probably knocking. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I can beat that out of him. You sure can. Or you can show him a kingdom principle in the middle of that. And you can begin to talk to him like the Spirit of God talks to you. When you're in that crisis mode and you're demanding and you're desperate, how does the Father talk to you if you just step back and listen for a moment? He says, I have everything under control. I'm going to get everything that you need in your life. I'm going to bring it in. You're going to have access to all of my riches. But I want you just to wait and let me show you how you can move in this direction. You said, you ever tried that with a four-year-old? Absolutely, I have. I tried it just the other day. We went to Cheesecake or uh, PJ, uh, what is it, uh, P.F. Chang's, P.F. Chang's. They'd already eaten, met my daughter-in-law down there for dinner, and so since they'd already eaten, what did they get? Dessert. Have you ever seen the chocolate cake at P.F. Chang's? It's as big as a bus. Now, looking right across from me is a four-year-old and a two-year-old and two forks. They got one goal in mind. Smear it on everything they can find, amen? And they start to eat that. They start to eat that. And I said, uh, have you guys had enough? No. And I said, well, why don't we just go to the restroom, wipe off what you have, and we can restart this engine in just a moment. Okay, that's great. I love it. I love kids. They, we go in there and little, little Crosby's still in a, in a diaper and cruise. You know, he's doing what, you know, grown boys do. And I said, now what about Crosby? Is he going to have to go? No, he's the flusher. His job is to stand there, right? Everyone has a part in the kingdom, amen? Everyone has a part in the kingdom. But let me show you something here about this. This is really powerful. Discomfort and need forces you to persevere. You know what's an amazing principle of faith is a tube of toothpaste. Are you ready for this one? Now, let's suppose you'd never seen one, and someone told you there was toothpaste in it, and you didn't know you had to squeeze it. And you pick it up, and you try to shake it on the toothbrush. It doesn't work. You even speak to it. Hey, toothpaste, come out. But it's when you put the pressure on the outside, you get what's on the inside. You see, Christ in you, when the pressure comes on the outside, it brings the Christ out in you so that you live out your life in this supernatural way instead of this natural way because we realize that chaos creates conquerors. It does. Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, listen to what it says. These things, these things, he says, who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts. You see, when Jesus opens a door, nobody can shut the door. But what about evil men? No one can shut the door. And it says, and also, it says when, when he, he says, I know your works, I've set before you an open door that what? Nobody can do what? Shut. God says, I'm just gonna let you go through that. Well, what if, what if I lack in faith? I'm gonna let you go through that. Well, what, what if uh, everybody tries to oppose me? I'm going to let you go through that door. You see, there are open doors in every person's life here this morning that God wants you to go through, and sometimes it's just fear that keeps you from moving through that door. You want to say, if there's a door before me, God, I'm going through, my, through that door. 
Now watch this principle. Persistence is a principle of the kingdom. Now I wanna show you something here from Ephesians chapter two, verses six and seven. It says of us that he raised us up together and made us sit together, that is giving us joint seating with him in heavenly places by virtue of us being in Christ Jesus. You know what that means? That means the way God sees you, he sees you in a place of authority as Christ is in authority while you're alive. He did that that he might clearly demonstrate through the ages to come the immeasurable, limitless, surpassing riches of his free grace. Do I deserve to be in Christ and Christ in me? No. Why did he do it? It says it right here, that I might understand in the ages to come this this unbelievable, limitless, surpassing riches of his free grace, which is his unmerited favor in his kindness and goodness of heart toward us in Christ Jesus. You see, in what you have to deal, you have to realize, who am I in Christ? I I am his child. I'm his son. I'm his daughter. And he loves you. Well, how could he love me? I've failed. He loves you. We live in a world full of haters and critics. Have you ever noticed that? Here's a couple of suggestions. Number one, focus on the road, not on the wall. There's walls everywhere you go, guys. Focus on the road. Let the walls just go past you. Just go past the walls and go on the road. And then persist, don't resist. See, your temptation is to fight. You want to resist, right? No, he says persist. You keep trusting in God. Don't worry about resisting. God will take care of the resistance. You just persist in trusting God. Now, we wear these shirts here that are are really a mark of solidarity. They're equivalent of the Jewish star in 1936 through 45 in Nazi Germany. One Iraqi Christian said, you may kill our brethren and expel them, but we Christians will never go away. I will remind you, it was Ahmadinejad, that despotic ruler of Iran, who said first the Saturday people and then the Sunday people. We'll take care of the Jews first. We'll get Israel. That's a one-bomb solution. And then we'll go after the Sunday people. Guess what's happening? You're seeing the persecution of the Jews, the attack that's going on in Israel right now, and guess what you're seeing? Now you're seeing this spillover effect of the Christians now, let me tell you something. These are the things that are happening in our world. ISIS has marked the homes of of everyone who's a Christian, the business of everyone with this 14th letter of the Arabic alphabet here, the letter N, to remind them that we have to go back, we have to take and destroy this household, destroy this business. But I love the words of Jesus even more. In Luke chapter six and verse 22, blessed are you when men hate you When they exclude you, revile you, cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Blessed. I'm not cursed, I'm blessed. I get to suffer as Jesus suffered. We don't suffer on any kind of scale like that. Our greatest suffering sometimes is someone doesn't like us, someone turns away or thinks we're, calls us some derogatory term as a Christian. Martin Neimoller in Germany wrote this when the Nazis came in. He said, first they came for the socialists and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unions and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. 
Intensity increases faith. Intensity increases our faith. There's a situation where Moses went up on the hill to get the Ten Commandments. You remember that? He goes up. He's in the presence of God. It's got to be good. He's coming down the hill. He's all filled with God. He's probably dancing. Man, I am so excited. I can't tell everybody, wait to tell everybody about being in the presence of God and, and God's power and glory. And all of a sudden, he hears music and he hears dancing. What is going on down here? Looks over at Aaron, his associate pastor, and says, what is going on in the house? They've taken all the gold off. They've thrown it in the fire, and they're making a golden calf, and they're dancing around the fire naked. That's when you know you got a bad service on your hand. <laughs> Amen? I mean, I come in here, and everybody's naked. I'm leaving. I'm telling you right now. Looks over at Aaron, what is going on? He said, I don't know what happened. He had to lie because he couldn't. How do you explain a bunch of naked people around a fire? And so he says, well, we just took the gold off. We put it in the fire, and a calf jumped out. Golden calf jumped out. Hey, guess what he does? He is so intense in that moment, he breaks the commandments because they've broken the commandment, and he begins to call upon God. I got a feeling he was asking, he was seeking, and he was knocking. What do you think? God, why did you bring me this far? What is going on? I want you to do this. I want you to take every crisis, every problem you have in your life right now and thank God for it. Because when you do, you take all the power away from the enemy. Because he thinks he's gonna kill you, he's gonna destroy your marriage, he's gonna destroy your family, he's gonna take away your income, he's gonna take away your health, and I want you just to say, God, I wanna thank you for whatever crisis you're in right now, just thank God in your own heart. Speak out that word, God, I thank you for this because I'm not going to let the enemy get control over my emotions, over my physical being, over my financial situation, over any, or my family, on my marriage or anything else. Thank you, God, because this crisis will drive me to you. Amen? So what does he say? Ask. What is asking? It's desire. What do you desire for God to do? Or what do you need God to do? What, is, what would you require for God to do? Keep on asking. What about seeking? What would you demand? God, I, this has gone beyond asking. God, I, this is a must. I have to have this in my life. This is a demand. And what would you pound on the door of heaven for and say, God, I'm not leaving this place. I'm not leaving this place. Let me give you a few life applications. Here's the first one. Courage unleashes faith. Here's what I believe about faith. I don't believe you can muster up faith by reading the Bible. I don't believe you can muster up faith by even listening to a sermon on faith. I don't believe you can raise that water level of faith by talking to people who have faith. I think the only way you get more faith is by taking a risk. When you don't want to speak to someone about their eternal soul, and you do, your faith goes up. When you don't want to trust God in that situation, but you do, your faith goes up. You have to activate that faith in your life through action. You have to look to the mountain and say, be gone. You have to look to the sea and say, be divided. You have to stand and say, what if it doesn't work? Just keep hanging in there. Hang in there. This is not like a car you turn on the key. I refuse to doubt, God. I refuse to doubt. I'm going to activate this faith. I'm going I'm to exercise courage in my life in such a way that I'm going to see God work. Because enduring faith does not 
give up. Well, what if there's no evidence that he's working? Don't give up. What if I don't feel anything? Don't give up. When things go wrong, as they sometimes will, and the road you're trudging is all uphill, when the debts are high and the funds are low, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Often the goal is nearer than it seemed to the faint and faltering man who learned too late how close he was to the golden crown. Don't quit. Would you say that with me? Don't quit. Don't quit. Say it with me. Don't quit. Now let's personalize it. I won't quit. Say it with me. I won't quit. I won't quit. I will trust God. I will see God to the end of this. Whatever God's up to, I'm going to be a part of it. Let's stand together and pray. Heavenly Father, as we pray, God, we, uh, I know that there are all kinds of heartfelt needs and prayer requests that, that are just laying on the shelf, God, because some people quit. They gave up hope. God, you're the God of hope. I want you to restore hope. I want you to activate faith as people step out and say, I will trust God. I will speak to that person about, about Jesus. I will believe God for that job. I will believe God for my marriage. And I will give you praise for every difficulty I have because in the middle of chaos, you create a conqueror. Make us into conquerors, God. You've already told us in Christ we are more than a conqueror. God, now we have to live out what you've tell us we are in our daily lives. In our daily lives. I'm going to ask you to do this. I know that there are all kinds of needs that exist among us today. Some of you need healing. I want to ask our prayer team to come here to the front right now. And we're going to be here to pray with you and for you if you need some healing in your life. Some of you don't need a physical healing. You need emotional. You've gone through a difficult time in your life and you don't know what to do and how to get hope and how to bring back that, that joy. I want you to know the Holy Spirit of God is the spirit of joy and he wants to minister to you right now. Some of you need a physical healing and you're, you've had a setback or maybe you've you had some victory and then you've, it seems like it's pulling back. I want you to come and just let us pray for you. Some of you need to bring your marriage, just bring your husband, your wife here to the, to the altar and just say, let's just, let's just lay this before God. We've tried and we've not been successful in trying to figure all the details out, but God is able. Would you just let God take your marriage? Would you let God take your finances? What would you let God do? You see, sometimes that just stepping out from the aisle and Making yourself present here at the front activates a faith in you that you didn't have before. Can you pray right where you are? Absolutely. I'm more concerned about you activating your faith than your convenience. What would you let God do today? Then, of course, there's those who, who don't know Christ. You say, I, I know about him, and I've been religious, and I've been in church but I don't know that I know the God of the universe. I don't know that I know his son, Jesus. Just know this, that he loves you. There is no sin you ever have committed, ever will commit, that he won't overlook and forgive and call you into his kingdom. But you have to be willing. You have to step forward and say, yes, I'll do that.
I'll trust in Jesus. Would you come and let us pray for you? A prayer like this one will bring you into the kingdom if you have faith. Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you were buried according to the scriptures and that you rose from the dead victorious so that I could be victorious, so that I could have eternal life. Lord Jesus, I believe that you died, you you were buried, and you rose again, and you live now to give me the gift of eternal life. Write my name, God, in the book of life. Give me eternal salvation. Give me the promise of hope for all eternity. Put your spirit in me that I might be a new creature in Christ Jesus. God, not because I deserve it, but because you just love me. And your grace is more than adequate to overlook all of my faults. I wonder, was that your prayer today? That prayer of faith, was that your prayer today? Would you personalize that right now and just lift your hand up and just say, Pastor, that was my prayer. God bless you. God bless you, sir. Anyone else? God bless you, ma'am. Yes, sir. God bless you, sir. Anyone else? Yes, ma'am. As the music plays, we're just going to have you come and for whatever need you have, it might be praying for a child, might be praying for your marriage, might be praying for your finance, might be to say, hey, I just, I just found Jesus. I just came into the kingdom. As the band plays, we're just going to ask you to come.